Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Last week, we introduced the topic of the seal of God and the mark of the beast. Today, we will continue to explore that theme. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, is helpful in understanding the religious, spiritual and political events of the end time. What is the seal of God? What is the mark of the beast? How can we be prepared for dramatic testing times ahead? Stay with us as we unfold these Bible truths. On our panel today, we have Rosemary Malkovich and Alan Fisher. Good to have you with us, Rosemary and Alan. Thank you. And uh, I hope that we'll have a really good discussion today. Mm. Well, before we begin, let's take time to ask for the Holy Spirit to be with us. Loving Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that you have given us the Bible, in particular the apocalyptic books of Daniel and Revelation. How vital these are for our times. And so we pray that as we dig into this truth today, that you'll be here by your Holy Spirit to guide and bless us and all those who are listening and watching. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've had the, uh, the privilege of going to northern Italy where the, the Waldensians uh, lived and uh, often were persecuted. And perhaps some of you have been there too. Um, those, those of you who are watching or listening today, and know that they went through times of persecution, particularly in the 16th and the 18th centuries. Uh, there were difficult times for them at the hands of the Roman church. So Rosemary, um, that's something that's happened in the past. Is it likely that these kinds of troubles for Christians will happen in the future? Uh, there is a, a really bad thing that happens and that's that history tends to repeat itself. So something that's happened before will usually occur again because different generations forget what's happened in the past. And Revelation also gives us an idea that just as Christians were persecuted in the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages and the Waldensians and others, um, it is going to happen again. But the good thing about it is that God is going to deliver his people. The bad thing is that in Revelation, we're basically told that there is going to be force and coercion to make people conform to certain doctrines. Let's have a look at Revelation chapter 13 and verse 10. And it says, He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And this verse is telling us about two different groups. One group at the end of time kill and take into captivity. They try to destroy. And the other group is patiently waiting for God and faithfully following Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, in, in previous episodes, we, uh, we've seen that the, the beast powers of Revelation 13 and, and 14 symbolize universal religious powers. Uh, who were at variance with, with true Christianity. Um, let, let's just notice verse 5 of this same chapter, Revelation 13 and verse 5. 
uh, this first beast, the beast from the sea that's pictured here in Revelation, says, And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 40 and two months. Two, two important points here, Alan. Uh, uh, what, what do they bring to view? Well, for a start, it said that it's a blasphemous power. You just read how he speaks blasphemies. And secondly, it said that it would continue for 40 and two months. And so we read in um, the previous chapter, chapter 12 of Revelation, verses 6 and 14, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And in verse 14, um, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness in her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So 42 months, 1260 prophetic days, and a time, time and half a time are all speaking about the same prophetic period. Mm. And the woman here, too, is spoken of in positive terms, isn't it? Mm. Uh, because, you know, God prepared a place for the woman. So it's obviously talking about the true uh, Christian church here uh, over this time period. And where else, Alan, do we find this uh, kind of time period mentioned in the Bible? Well, we read in um, the book of Daniel, in chapter 7, verse 25, it says, and he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. So this um, religious successor to the Roman Empire would use its um, spiritual dominance to persecute the saints, as it says here, and to try to change times and the law, supposedly by its own authority. And it would last for 1260 prophetic days, or literally 1260 years. I believe it's seven times in Daniel and Revelation that time period is mentioned mm. in various ways. Okay. And so you're saying it's 1260 days or 1260 years. Um, how do we, uh, Rosemary, do you got any Bible evidence to say that we should understand this as being years and not just literal days? Well, there are a couple of different places that, that mention this where God is using a, a day to equal a year. This is in the prophetic context. Yes, and, yeah. and um, one of the places in, is in Numbers and the other one I'll, I'll look at is Ezekiel 4.6. Um, in this verse it says... And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Now, this was a prophetic thing that Ezekiel was doing here. And God said, for every day that you lie there for 40 days, it actually equals 40 years. And we, we get a really good sense of that in Daniel when he's talking in chapter nine about the prophecy of the Messiah, the 40 of the, sorry, the 490 day prophecy, which is 70 times seven weeks. 
Um, and in there, nothing happened after 490 days. There was absolutely nothing. But after 490 years, something incredible, huge happened because Jesus was baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit at that exact time, the right time. And there's another point that in Hebrews, every month contained 30 days. Mm. So 360 days was a year. And one of the time prophecies that Alan has read was a time, times and half a time. And what that means is a time equals one year. Times is two years and half a time is half a year, which three and a half years, Mm -hmm. which is the same as the... um, 42 months and the 1260 days, they all equal the same amount. And and the wonderful thing is that when you go through those times, the prophecy is fulfilled right on time when you use a a day for a year principle. Yes. So these prophecies must have then had a starting point Mm. uh, in time. And and Alan, how do you know um, when this 1260 year prophecy would begin? Well, in 538 AD, the um, Roman Emperor Justinian gave the Roman bishop the role of defender of the faith. It's been said that um, Justinian enacted Christianity into law and ordered all Christian groups to obey, submit to the authority of the Bishop of Rome. And so that was when it began and the 1260 years went through until 1798 when the authority of the Roman church was curtailed for a while by the the time and the days of Napoleon when they captured the Pope and took him prisoner. We read in Revelation 13 verse 12 concerning this power, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So notice it said that this beast would receive a deadly wound, Mm -hmm. but it was only a wound, not a death blow. The wound would be healed. Will be healed. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting when we go back there, while Daniel and Revelation are apocalyptic books, there are also certain apocalyptic apocalyptic elements in some of Paul's writing. Mm. Uh, And I'd like to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verses three and four, the second letter of Paul to the church at Thessalonica, uh, verses three and four. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Uh, we can kind of hear um, echoes of Daniel here, can't we, mm-hmm. in this? and that he uh, is all that is called God, all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And Rosie, what is Paul saying here? Um, Well, he's referring to, first of all, um, he says, for that day, that is the day of Jesus' second coming. That is when all of this will be finished. And what he's doing is he was inspired to write this by the Holy Spirit, that there would be a power who would seek to place itself above God on his his throne. Mm -hmm. And the reason is to be 
worshipped. Let's look down at verses 9 and 12 of 2 Thessalonians 2. And it says, The coming of this lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, this is telling us Satan, even the verses you, rank, you read, Satan is behind it. And if, you, if people read Revelation 12, 9 and 13, 4, they will see that Satan is the power behind this power that is doing this. And the whole reason is that Satan wants the worship that is due only to God. That's why we're in the situation we are in. But he works through human agents. And that's what Paul is bringing out here. It's a warning against a religious system that will counterfeit and compromise the word of God. Um, And we know through history, through what the Bible points out and what has happened in history, that that power mentioned here is actually the Roman papal power that came into force, as you said, in 538 and went right throughout the dark or Middle Ages. Mm, the spiritual successor to totally the Roman controlling mm. both religiously and politically and forcing people to adhere to their dogmas. Mm. So that's what that time was about. Yeah. It's interesting, a little further on in the book of Revelation, Revelation 17, uh, we have a picture there of the scarlet woman who, again, speaks blasphemies. Mm. Uh, and verse 5 calls her Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And obviously not talking about literal Babylon because that had, had fallen by that mm. time. So it's talking about a spiritual power. Yes. Um, and does, does this sound like the same power that, that Daniel saw in his visions, uh, Alan? Well, it's identical. It's the same power. There's, um, John saw an end-time coalition grouping, we could say, of the apostate woman and a satanic beast power that would war against God's people. And um, we read in Revelation 17, verse 14, um, these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And so we have a choice which side we want to be on, whether we want to be on his side. If so, we'll be among those who are mentioned as um, called and chosen and faithful, because the Lamb's going to overcome this beast. Yeah, um, when it says about thinking to change times and laws, um, what what particular changing of times and laws stands out in your mind, Rosemary? Yeah. Well, when we look at the law of God, there is only one of the ten precepts, the moral precepts of God, that indicates time, and that is the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath, and that is the one that has actually been attacked during history, during Christian history. And I have a quote here that I'd like to read, and it's from a renowned historian, Arthur Weigel, um, from the Paganism in Our Christianity, page 145, and it says, 
the church made a sacred day of Sunday, largely because it was the weekly festival of the sun, for it was a definite Christian policy to take over the pagan festivals endeared to the people by tradition and give them Christian significance. So to bring pagans into the church to try and, and convert them, the um, Christian church in Rome basically blessed the pagan festivals and pagan statues, etc., to try to encourage them to come into the Christian church. And um, other things like Lent and Christmas and Easter and all actually had pagan origins. Mm. Uh, Alan, we, uh, we get a sort of like a broad picture of the history of the world uh, in prophecy, but how do we know when these things are going to unfold? Well, Jesus, <coughs> Jesus gave signs of what would come toward the end. And we read in Matthew 24, verses 32 and 33, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. And so we may not know exactly what's um, going to happen, but we can have confidence that it will come out as Jesus has um, predicted. It's interesting, these, this group of eminent scientists who've come up with this idea of the doomsday clock, and they've recently moved the doomsday clock closer to midnight than ever before. I believe it's 90 seconds to midnight now, and perhaps they're in tune with what the Bible is saying here, that we're living in the time of the end. Mm. Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting point you're making there, Alan. Let's, um, let's look at this other uh, thing that we introduced in the, in the introduction today about the mark of the beast. And I'm going to have a look at Revelation 14, verses 9 and 10. The third angel uh, of these three angels here in this chapter followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, that's interesting, either, either on the forehead or the hand, Verse 10, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which has poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation, and he'll be tormented and so on. Uh, what, what is meant by, uh, Rosemary, what's meant by receiving the mark in the, the forehead or the hand, this alternative? Well, one thing we've got to ascertain, it's like the day year. The day is not literal. It's, it's prophetic and it equals a year. This is not a literal mark. It's a symbolic prophecy. So this is not literal. The forehead stands for the frontal lobe, the, the front part of the brain where decisions are made. Those who receive it in the forehead are determined that this is the right way to go. They firmly believe that they are doing the right thing by following or receiving the mark of the beast. In the hand, it means that the people don't necessarily want to do wrong, but they are not determined to stand boldly for the truth. And they will give in to doing and receiving the mark of the beast because of fear of what will happen to them if they don't. But there's also a, another group here, which is a contrasting group. And it's those who are true followers of Jesus, that they don't receive the mark. And this, these verses that you read are telling us don't receive the mark. You have to make a choice 
of what you're going to do. If we look at verse 12, it, it further describes those who follow God. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So those who keep the commandments of God are the ones who say we are not going to follow the dictates of man against the word of God. And I have another quote. This is from Tim Staples. Um, it's to do it's from worship on Saturday or Sunday question mark in Catholic Answers, 7th of the 1st, 2017. So it's quite recent. And this is talking about how the Catholic Church changed Sabbath from, Sab from the seventh day to the first day. God can certainly change a ceremonial law or an aspect of a law that is ceremonial. And that he did through the church. The problem for this man, Tim Staples, is that the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments. He's calling That's the, the moral Sabbath. law. Yeah. That's the moral law of God. It's not a ceremonial law it's at all. It's not a ceremonial law. Yeah, it's a weak, yeah. And so he's got it totally wrong in what he has said there. Mm. Yeah, Revelation and Daniel indicate that worship and religious allegiance uh, will be testing issues before Jesus comes to the earth again. Uh, and Owen White uh, foresaw a day when, quote, those who honour the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemies of law and order. And that's in the book Great Controversy, page 592. Uh, and Owen, do we see hints um, that the, the Roman church will make Sunday sacredness an issue in the future? Well, back a few years ago in 2012, we had Pope Benedict XVI speaking to a crowd of 15,000 people in St. Peter's Square, urging them to make Sunday a day of rest for everybody. And I quote his words. He said, by defending Sunday, one defends human freedom. And so this is foreshadowing a time sooner or later when Sunday will be enforced um, by law, as it has been in the past. Mark Finley says, those who conscientiously follow the word of God and keep the true Sabbath will be labelled as opposing society's best interests. Yeah. Now, Rosemary, if um, the, the mark of the beast is about a counterfeit Sabbath, is there a true one? Yes, God doesn't call his sign a mark. He calls it a seal. And if we look at um, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16, it says, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. So seal the law. That's what God wants among mm -hmm. his people. Um, and it makes a big contrast between a mark and a seal. Yeah. So what aspects of the, the fourth commandment, um, Alan, what aspects of them uh, reveal this, this idea of the authority of God and that's a seal? Well, let's read the whole commandment in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your, nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. And verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And so 
in this passage, we see the three elements that make up a seal. Verse 10 gives us the name of the sealer. It says, the Lord your God. Verse 11 gives us the title of the one who's making the seal. It says, the Lord who made heaven and earth. So that identifies him as the creator. And verse 11 gives his territory, the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Mm. Mm. When we go back to Revelation again, I'm going to look at Revelation 7 and verses 2 and 3. Um, John here records, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God. And notice where this seal is placed. It says, On their foreheads. Hmm. And uh, Rosemary, um, what is the significance about that phrase? Okay, let's look also at Revelation 14, verse 1. Then I looked and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads or foreheads. And so it's the same place that they have it written. It's the father's name. And when it's in the hand or um, or the forehead with the mark of the beast, it is different to the seal in the forehead only Only. of the people of God. That means they've made a decision to follow God, just as those have made the decision to follow the mark of the beast. There's no force involved, is there? There is no force. God does not force anyone. He only pleads with us to allow him to be in charge of our lives. And that's what this is talking about. Those who conscientiously follow God alone. Yeah. And and I, I like the words of Joshua, um, when he said, choose you this day whom mm. you will serve. It's a, it's a choice of the mind. Yes. And this is what uh, is happening here with the people who are sealed by God. It's their choice. And um, right. Rosemary, can you testify to how God has led you in essentially accepting Jesus? Um, it is a choice and it's a choice I have to make daily. And Paul says, I die daily. And we have to die to self daily by daily choosing to follow God. And when we do, God gives us his peace. He gives us his joy. He leads us into more truth to prepare us for the trying times ahead so Mm -hmm. that we will not go against him and we will follow him all the way. Yes, there will be testing times ahead, but, you know, we do not need to fear, do we? Mm. Uh, Because we have God on our side. That's well, right. thank you, Rosemary. Thank you, Alan, for your contributions today. My guests today were Rosemary Malkovich and Alan Fisher, and I'm Clive Nash. And while we would not want to be alarmists, thinking people all around the world are questioning what is happening in the world events. The natural world seems so often in chaos. The financial world is troubled, and the religious world is suffering under a multitude of false doctrines and isms. The book of Revelation closes with two vital thoughts. Behold, I am coming quickly, and the invitation, let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Only that decision can bring peace and security. We're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you are blessed by this program, why not tell your friends? 
Remember, all past programs plus teachers' notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We hope you'll join us again next time. And until then, we wish you God's rich blessing. listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.